0: What is up everyone, it's Quinn here. And in today's video, I'm gonna continue updating my 2023 fantasy football rankings. So yesterday I went through my top 36 running backs. Today, we're gonna be going through my top 36 wide receivers, going tier by tier, just so you guys can kind of see where I have these players lumped together. Um, As always, if you enjoy the content, hit that like button and subscribe to the channel. Gonna be putting out my quarterbacks, tight ends, and then my overall rankings also in the next few days. Um, And then also these rankings are gonna be more skewed for like half point uh, PPR and then PPR scoring. um, So just keep that in mind also. But let's just jump right into it. Starting off in tier one, we're gonna have Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase. I'm not gonna spend a ton of time on these like high end options because really not a ton has changed since my last set of rankings. But just looking at Jefferson and Chase, Both of these guys are young, high ceiling wide receivers with pretty much like zero red flags. We've got some other high ceiling wide receivers in tier two, but I just think these guys pretty much carry as little risk as possible heading into the season. Now in tier two, this is where I have Tyreek Hill and Cooper Cup. Um, I swapped Hill and Cup from last set of rankings um, just due to Cup's hamstring injury. By week one, it could definitely be a non-factor, but these two are so close together that you know I did just kind of make the switch. Um, I think both of these guys are high-ceiling options. Tyreek Hill has showcased it throughout his career. Cooper Cup, his last two seasons, has been the wide receiver one in points per game. I just think they carry, you know, some more risk than Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase. Both of them are, you know, kind of getting up there in age, not saying they're going to fall off, but the risk of it happening is at least somewhat there compared to Jefferson and Chase. Also, Cooper Cup, we don't really know how this offense is going to operate. Matthew Stafford has dealt with some injuries. Same thing with Tyree Kill and Tua. You know, he has the concussion concerns. So I still think these guys are high ceiling options, and I'd be willing to take them in the first half of the first round. But I do just have them a tier behind Jefferson and Chase. Now, moving into Tier 3, this tier is going to have Stephon Diggs, Amon Ross St. Brown, CeeDee Lamb, Devontae Adams, AJ Brown, and Garrett Wilson. Um, I don't think I've made any changes to this tier since my last rankings video. Um, We've got Stephon Diggs, who I think you could put him in Tier 2 or Tier 3. If I put him in Tier 2, he would be the clear third option. When I have him in this tier, he's the clear top option. So, you know, he's kind of like in between those two spots. Um, Then we've got Amon Ra and I'm definitely still riding the Amon Ra bandwagon here. I think it's a real argument between Amon Ra and CeeDee Lamb. In Amon Ra's healthy games, he averaged 19 PPR points per game. And then for Lamb, in games where Dak played 100% of the snaps, so taking out the games he missed and then week one where he left early, um, CeeDee Lamb averaged 19.5 PPR points per game. So I think both of these guys, if, you know, Amon Ra doesn't deal with injuries mid game. CeeDee Lamb has Dak over the entire season. I think these guys can both make leaps from their production last year. I just give Amon Ra the slight edge because I just think he has less target competition. CeeDee Lamb has Brandon Cooks coming in. Michael Gallup may kind of return to form a full year off of that uh, ACL. But honestly, like when we're talking about actually practically drafting, it might make sense to go CD Lamb first cuz I think you probably have a better chance of Amon-Ra falling to you in the second round, right? Like if you have the 111 and you want to go wide receiver, wide receiver, if you pick Amon-Ra at the 111, CD Lamb's probably going at that turn whereas if you pick CD Lamb, I think the chances of Amon-Ra getting picked there are probably lower. Um, and also keep that in mind throughout the video these are my personal rankings. This is not necessarily the order I would draft, right? Like if a player's ADP on a platform is three rounds below where you're picking, but I value them there, you should definitely wait, you know, and kind of take them where you think the value is going to be. Um, after Amon Ra and CD Lamb, we've got Devonte Adams. Still just view him as a nice round two pick. Seems like some people are kind of fading off of him this season, I don't really get it. I still think he's going to be a uh, high-end wide receiver one or like a mid-tier wide receiver one. And then we're going to have A.J. Brown here. Still going to be lower uh, than consensus on A.J. Brown. Honestly, on some different platforms, he's going around one. I really cannot get around to round one A.J. Brown, especially over guys like Amon Ra and C.D. Lamb. Last year, all those dudes finished in the same area. But like I've talked about, there were clear paths to improvement for both Amon Ra and C.D. Lamb. I just don't really see that for A.J. Brown. I think he's probably going to repeat somewhere in the same area, which is totally fine at this wide receiver eight ranking, but I just can't have him as like a first round option. Um, and then to wrap up this tier with Garrett Wilson, I'm expecting a huge year to jump for Garrett Wilson. He gets the quarterback upgrade with Aaron Rodgers. He's already proven he's incredibly talented and I do think he makes that leap here in year two. Now shifting into tier four, it's going to be a five-man tier. We've got Jalen Waddle, Chris Olave, Calvin Ridley, T. Higgins, and Devonta Smith. Of like the wide receiver twos on top offenses... Looking at Waddle, Higgins, and Devonta Smith, I just think Waddle has the most upside based on how concentrated the targets are between him and Tyreek Hill. Like those two dudes just dominate the opportunities in that Dolphins offense. So I do have him leading this tier. And when um, Tua was healthy and Tua's healthy games, Jalen Waddle was right up there as a mid-tier wide receiver one. Um, then we got Chris Olave, still very in on Olave to have a big year two, Gets a nice quarterback upgrade. Um, I think he's kind of like a budget version of Garrett Wilson this season. And then we've got Calvin Ridley, and he's going to be a riser for my last set of rankings. This probably is going to seem high to some people. Um, I bumped him into tier four, also bumped him ahead of T. Higgins and Devonta Smith. And I will totally admit, like, Ridley carries more risk than both T. Higgins and Devonta Smith. I think that's 100% true. But I also think that both T. Higgins and Devonta Smith are capped in their roles, Right. They're wide receiver twos on their teams. Are we expecting T. Higgins to overtake Jamar Chase? Are we expecting Devonta Smith to overtake A.J. Brown? Personally, I am not. The last time we saw Calvin Ridley over a full season, he was the wide receiver four in points per game. And it's not like he has missed time for some sort of serious injury, which should completely decrease his play, right? He had like the mental health stuff in 2021, and then he had the gambling suspension in 2022. So it's not like anything physical where Ridley should just be falling off a cliff in terms of his play. Now he's gonna be the wide receiver one for a rising Jaguars offense. This is a spot where I'm just willing to take a swing on his upside. And I understand everyone plays fantasy you know, very differently. Personally, if I'm gonna be drafting a wide receiver like late round two, early round three, I want them to have some high-end wide receiver one upside. I don't wanna draft someone there just for their like ceiling to be pretty close to where I'm drafting them. I want that upside, which is why I favor uh, Calvin Ridley there. Still, definitely like Higgins and Devonta Smith as fringe wide receiver twos. I think both probably have like mid tier wide receiver one upside in like a big touchdown boom season. But like I said, I do think they're kind of capped with their overall upside. Now, moving into tier five, this is going to be a five-man tier. We've got Keenan Allen, Amari Cooper, DK Metcalf, Mike Williams, and Debo Samuel. So I did bump Keenan Allen ahead of Amari Cooper to be at the top of this tier. We just look back to last year, averaged 19.7 points per game in his seven healthy games. He's been a top 13 wide receiver in points per game each of the past six seasons. With this pick, you're just kind of betting he doesn't fall off a cliff. And even at this price, I think you're kind of getting baked in that he slips a little bit. So that's just a bet that I'm willing to make. Like if he doesn't regress, he's going to end up being a huge steal. Even if he regresses a little bit, I still feel like he can kind of, uh, you know, live up to his current price. And then I have Amari Cooper, and I'm definitely going to be higher on Cooper than consensus. There are just a few factors here with him and this Browns offense that make me pretty interested. First off, I've talked about this a ton. I expect the Browns to be more pass heavy this season. Personally, I'm also just going to be betting on a Deshaun Watson bounce back. I've also talked about this a lot. I don't think you can go from like a top five quarterback. Remember the last year we saw him play in a full season? He was like carrying just a miserable Texans roster and still balling out. I don't think you can just go from that player to just being completely terrible, especially when you're still in your 20s, right? Like it's not like he's falling off some sort of age cliff. So I have to expect Watson to bounce back. And even last year with below average quarterback play, when Jacoby Brissett was at quarterback, Amari Cooper still managed to average 16 PPR points per game. So it's not like Cooper needs you know elite quarterback play to produce for fantasy. He did it last year with Jacoby Brissett. The thing that I also think is very interesting about Amari Cooper is that he commanded a 26.1% target share last year. And prior to last season, Amari Cooper's never been a huge target share guy. He had never broken 23% before last year. So I think there's this ceiling path for Amari Cooper, where if he can stay in that like 26% target share area, Watson has a bounce back, the Browns are more pass heavy. Like we are looking at a very, very high ceiling out of Amari Cooper. Obviously it might not you know all play out that way, but I do think at his ADP, There is a very realistic path to a potential high ceiling for him. Um, Then I've got DK Metcalf, probably a little bit lower on Metcalf than Consensus, but I'm definitely coming around a little bit. I do just think this is a very crowded group of weapons with Metcalf, Lockett, JSN, you know, potentially Charbonnet catching passes out of the backfield. And I definitely think DK Metcalf should be the top option, right? Like in terms of where these wide receivers are being drafted, but just value wise. Like instead of having to bet on Metcalf like breaking out and being a high-end wide receiver two, wide receiver one with all these weapons, I'd prefer to just draft like a Tyler Lockett in round six, seven, or like a round eight JSN. You can probably get JSN even later in like your ESPN or Yahoo leagues. So that's just kind of how I feel about this Seahawks offense. I do think Metcalf should be the top option, but I'd just rather take some of the, you know, less expensive options there. Then I've got Mike Williams, very high on Mike Williams. When he's been healthy over the past two seasons, he has been a fringe fantasy wide receiver one in his 15 healthy games in 2021. He averaged 16.1 points per game. Then in 2022, he averaged 15.2 points per game when you remove the two games where he had under a 40% snap share. The good thing about Mike Williams is that even though I'm ranking him here like in tier five, you're likely not gonna have to draft him here. He goes outside the top 24 wide receivers on most platforms. If you guys have seen my draft strategy videos, pretty much like every single draft, I draft uh, Mike Williams in like round six. Like uh, player for player, I'd be willing to take him much earlier, but if he's gonna fall, like I will take him in round six, sometimes even round seven, I will take him there all day long. Um, And then wrapping this tier up with Debo Samuel, this is just a tough spot with the 49ers. There's just so many weapons here. There's a lot of competition. And Debo really has like that one huge season that's kind of propping up his current price. And it's 2021 where he just went insane. He was a dominant wide receiver early on and then was like that wide back position in the second half of the season. And I just, at this point, kind of feel like that season was just a perfect storm. You know, there was a bunch of different factors. You had Brandon Ayuk in the doghouse early on. So Debo was really the only competent wide receiver out there. And then in the second half, you had injuries to Elijah Mitchell, which just like opened up this running back position. Now here in 2023, you have Christian McCaffrey at running back, who's also stealing receiving work. You have Brandon Ayuk, who's broken out. You also have George Kittle. There's just a lot going on. And I struggle to see the ceiling unless there are injuries to like one or two other playmakers in this offense. Now, moving into tier six, this is going to be a decently large tier. We've got Christian Watson, Jerry Judy, DJ Moore, Drake London, DeAndre Hopkins, and then Terry McLaurin. So overall, a lot of uncertainty in this tier. Starting off with Christian Watson, he just feels like a very high variance player. He went on a crazy run to end his rookie season last year, 17.2 points per game in the last eight games. There were two notable rookies that I could remember from the 2021 rookie class, who had impressive runs to end their season the first one was aman Ra, and he followed up that crazy run with a wide receiver one sophomore season so you know he took that run and then hit the next season the other guy i could think of was elijah moore who had a great run to end his season before he got injured and then he ended up just completely flopping last season averaged five and a half points per game Personally, I'd be betting on a big year two out of Christian Watson, but I definitely think he is not a high floor pick. Like if you're someone picking in this spot, you want some safety. I don't think Christian Watson is that guy, but I do think he can deliver a high ceiling for you. Then we've got Jerry Judy, who is coming off a wide receiver 20 uh, finish in points per game. Pretty impressive when you consider just how bad that Broncos offense was overall. I'm not sure if Jerry Judy's ever going to have like that wide receiver one ceiling for fantasy, but I definitely think he's someone who can slot in as a nice like wide receiver two for you. I am like a little bit concerned about Cortland Sutton. Not that I think Sutton's going to come in and like take over the wide receiver one spot, but he really wasn't all that great last year. If you remember, there was a lot of debates heading into the 2022 season about is it Jerry Judy or is it Cortland Sutton? They were going like back to back on pretty much every platform and Jerry Judy blew him out of the water last year. But reports for Cortland Sutton have been pretty positive throughout training camp. And I just don't think it would be ideal for Jerry Judy, right, if Sutton is kind of eating into his opportunities, you would definitely like Sutton to stay locked in as that wide receiver two spot. So I still like Judy as a back end wide receiver two, but definitely just something to be kind of weary of there. Um, Then we've got DJ Moore up next and Moore feels like he has a pretty wide range of outcomes this season. From the optimistic perspective, we've seen a bunch of young quarterbacks in recent years take massive leaps once they've been paired with a true wide receiver one, which in turn has then benefited those wide receivers, right? We saw Stephon Diggs hit a ceiling he never saw with the Vikings once him and Josh Allen took that leap together. Um, AJ Brown last year with Jalen Hurts, Tyreek Hill obviously had had some impressive seasons but he was also going from like the best quarterback in the NFL. He pretty much replicated his earlier production with Tua last year. Um, So definitely possible with Justin Fields and DJ Moore. On the other hand, if Justin Fields doesn't take that leap, Moore is probably going to be stuck in another like rough quarterback situation, which just isn't going to result in a super high fantasy ceiling. But as like a back-end wide receiver too, I'm definitely willing to take a uh, swing on him. Then we've got Drake London up next. And I understand some people are probably going to think this is high. He is coming off of a disappointing rookie season in terms of fantasy production. The Falcons were super run heavy, and it's definitely possible they replicate again this year. But I just think this is a fair area to take a shot on a clearly very talented wide receiver. London commanded targets at a crazy high level. He was the wide receiver five in target share and the wide receiver two in target rate. I just think this is a profile I want to take a swing on. I would rather be early than late because if he does hit this season, you're not going to be able to draft him as like a fringe uh, wide receiver too. I do think he could have a big year too here in 2023. Um, And also I feel like just completely burying Drake London because the Falcons are run heavy isn't super fair. Like we saw both the Falcons and the Bears were like historically uh, run heavy last year. So to just expect them to kind of stick with that extreme, I think, you know like I don't think it's a great bet to make right like typically the uh, most pass heavy or the most run heavy teams are like slightly below 50-50 in terms of their run to pass ratio the uh, bears and falcons were just like a few percentage points below that which may not seem crazy but you know it is kind of extreme in that split so I do think just betting on both those teams to be crazy run heavy again Probably isn't a fair assumption to make. Um, That kind of applies to both DJ Moore and Drake London. Then we've got DeAndre Hopkins, and people are probably going to feel like this is a low ranking. Probably not going to have a ton of shares of him with this ranking. And I do think if he doesn't regress at all, he'll likely pay off at this price. I just think the Titans are not a great landing spot for DeAndre Hopkins. And I think we kind of have seen in previous years that some of these veteran wide receivers if they get sent to a less than ideal landing spot, it can definitely just kind of quicken a potential fall off that they may be having. Hopkins is 31 years old, and at some point regression is gonna come. I feel like we kind of already saw this movie with uh, Julio Jones. Like Julio went from a 16.4 point per game season in 2020 with the Falcons to an eight point per game season the next year with the Titans. I'm not saying that, uh, you know, it's going to be that steep of a fall off. We saw Hopkins last year average 16.9 points per game. So it's not like Julio was already a shell before he went to the uh, Titans. And we've also seen Hopkins be a guy who relies on volume throughout his career. This Titans passing offense, you know, they're not super heavy in terms of like passing volume. AJ Brown really made his money there in terms of efficiency, big plays that's just not really DeAndre Hopkins' game, and I don't know if all of a sudden he's going to turn into like this efficient, big play monster at age 31. So I just don't really think his play style matches the Titans that well. Also, I could be wrong, but it's kind of just a spot where I'd rather take some swings on these younger options versus the player who I think is starting to come down a little bit. Um, And then to finish up this ranking or this tier with Terry McLaurin, he honestly just feels like a player who's destined for like another fringe wide receiver two season. Every year of his NFL career, he's been between wide receiver 20 and wide receiver 29 in points per game. Personally, I have some optimism for Sam Howell, but I feel like even expecting like league average quarterback play in his first real season as a starter is probably like a decently lofty prediction. So, McLaurin, I think he's a decent option here as a fringe wide receiver too. For me though, I do think his ceiling is kind of capped, which is why I have him ranked below the players I do. Now shifting into the final tier, gonna be tier seven, a very large tier. We've got Deontay Johnson, Marquise Brown, Chris Godwin, Tyler Lockett, Michael Pittman, Brandon Ayuk, Mike Evans, Christian Kirk, Jackson Smith and Jigba, and Jordan Addison. Full transparency, this was a very difficult tier to work through, kind of reminded me of my tier six from the running back video, where it's like there are arguments for all of these guys and in reality, they're all like very close together. And when you're in drafts, like these guys are probably going to be separated by like a round, a round and a half, maybe at most like two rounds. Um, and if you're getting the guys at the back end, you probably feel pretty good with that value. But starting off with Deontay Johnson, I am expecting a bounce back from him. He's been a target funnel throughout his entire NFL career, or at least last three seasons. 9.6 targets in 2020, 10.6 targets per game in 2021. per game last season. So just consistently commanding targets at a very high level. I think with Pickett likely taking a step forward. And then if he just gets like league average touchdown luck, which means not averaging 8.6 targets per game and scoring zero touchdowns over the entire season, I could definitely see Deontay returning to be a top 24 wide receiver. And then we've got Marquise Brown. And I really think Marquise Brown is being slept on this season. We saw him perform really well, like a wide receiver one level early on in 2022 when he was operating as the clear cut wide receiver one. This was while DeAndre Hopkins was serving his suspension. Early in the season, even if he's playing with Colt McCoy, I think volume will be able to keep him afloat here. And then once Kyler returns, like I'm not ruling out top 12 wide receiver upside when he's playing with Kyler Murray. Obviously, Kyler, you know, may be limited, But I also think a limited Kyler is probably going to be more pass heavy Kyler because he's not going to be using his legs, which I think in turn can help Marquise Brown. So someone I'm definitely very interested in. And I think he is being, you know, kind of undervalued heading into the season. Then next up, I have Chris Godwin. And I definitely just think in general, these Bucks wide receivers have to take a hit with Brady retiring. Um, And when we're looking at both these guys, Godwin and Mike Evans, I just think Godwin is probably better suited to play with a bad quarterback, especially at this point in their careers. Godwin is more of the volume option. He's gonna be a lower ADOT guy compared to Mike Evans. He's also now a full season removed from his torn ACL. So I do think he'll be a solid wide receiver three this year. And I really would not be surprised if like one of these Bucs wide receivers ended up being like a top 24 guy. I'm just not overly confident in which one it would be. I had to bet um, it would probably be Chris Godwin, but you know, who knows? Mike Evans could, uh, you know, continue balling out. Then we have Tyler Lockett, and this may end up being too low for Lockett. I don't know if there's any other player that I can think of who has been like as consistently good year after year as Tyler Lockett while also just consistently being underranked the next year, right? It's like every year he's a top 24 guy or a top 17 guy. And then the next season he is always ranked below that in terms of his ADP. He's been a top 24 wide receiver in each of the past five seasons. And then his worst finish in the last three years has been the wide receiver 17. I do think the addition of JSN is definitely a hit to both Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. But in general, I think this is going to be a really strong Seahawks offense. And I do think they'll just be, you know, enough to go around for all these guys. Then the next option is going to be Michael Pittman, and I do know the quarterback play is kind of a mystery here for Pittman, but we look back to last year, his quarterback play was pretty terrible, and he still managed to finish as the wide receiver 21 in points per game, while also way underperforming in the touchdown department, so I just don't know if I can you know, lower his ranking any more than this. Um, he seems to be drafted in terms of his ADP as if like it's a guarantee that Richardson is just going to be terrible. And who knows, you know, he may struggle his rookie season, but I feel like for that to be like the median performance for Pittman's ADP, I just don't think it's super fair, right? Because Pittman could give you a fringe wide receiver two season, even if Richardson isn't good. So if somehow Richardson impresses his rookie season, like I think Pittman has some upside here that's just not really being factored in. Next player is going to be Brandon Ayuk, and I admit this feels low for Ayuk. Like I talked about with Debo, I just struggle to see a lot of upside for these weapons, pretty much like barring an injury to Debo Samuel and or George Kittle, I guess. There's just a lot of mouths to feed, and you know, I'd kind of like some upside with these wide receiver threes. Like if all these guys stay healthy, what is Brandon Ayuk's realistic ceiling? Like I feel like it's probably like back end wide receiver two. I guess maybe he could hit in the touchdown department. I don't know. I just think it's kind of tough to envision a ceiling here for Brandon Ayuk as long as those other guys stay healthy. Then we have Mike Evans, and like I talked about Chris Godwin, definitely hurt by the Bucs quarterback situation, whether it's going to be Maker Mayfield or Kyle Trask. It's not going to be great either way. Um, It is tough to have him rank this low considering he's never finished worse than the wide receiver 25 in points per game. But this is probably, arguably, the second worst quarterback play he'll have, at least fantasy-wise. I think the uh, Josh McCown, Mike Glennon combo he had his rookie season is probably worse than this. But you know who knows? Baker and Trask could uh, challenge for that. Obviously, Jameis Winston wasn't a good quarterback, but for fantasy, he came with a lot of passing volume, um, you know, overall yardage and touchdowns, which obviously is going to be decent for fantasy. Evans is now at 30 years old. So I'm just not sure if he's going to be able to overcome that bad situation like he did early on in his career. But, you know, who knows? He could go out and surprise me here. Then we have Christian Kirk. And I know this is going to be very low for Christian Kirk, but just hear me out on this one. All these wide receivers in this tier are very close together to start off with. And so, like, you know, one kind of negative thing can definitely drop you a little bit. In the Jaguars' first preseason game, Christian Kirk did not play in two wide receiver sets. I think the Jaguars had a few drives with the starters. They were playing their legit starters. Lawrence was out there. Ridley was out there. In two wide receiver sets, it was Calvin Ridley and it was Zay Jones. That's pretty concerning if he's being drafted as like a high-end wide receiver three for fantasy. If this role sticks throughout the season, like he is not gonna end up being a solid pick at his current ADP. It could definitely change. They may shift to Ridley and Christian Kirk in two wide receiver sets, but that is why I dropped him here. And it's definitely something we have to monitor because I feel like it kind of went under the radar, but if he is only in there on three wide receiver sets, that is not ideal. Um, Like, obviously it's a small sample size, but I'm pretty sure we saw Ridley and Zay Jones. They each ran six routes, Christian Kirk ran four. He still had, I think, like two receptions, but definitely something we have to, uh, you know, at least monitor moving forward. And then to finish up these rankings, we've got back to back rookie wide receivers to round out the top 36. Um, JSN is my wide receiver 35. Addison is my wide receiver 36. I think, in terms of year one landing spots, I think Jordan Addison probably has JSN beat. He's going to be stepping into that Adam Thielen role, assuming he can lock in that wide receiver two spot. He's going to be running a ton of routes opposite Justin Jefferson, which is a fantastic spot to be in. But in general, I just view JSN as the better prospect. Um, I think JSN is probably more of like a late season breakout guy. Early on, it might be the DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett show. But I do think JSN could kind of emerge later on in the season and maybe have one of those like Amon Ra, Christian Watson runs to end his rookie year but I think both these guys are just solid bets to make at their current ADPs. So that is gonna wrap it up for my top 36 wide receivers. How are you guys feeling about these rankings? Who do you think is high? Who do you think is too low? Let me know your reasoning down below in the comment section. But thank you all for stopping by and I will see you in the next one.